such a perfectionist and like, oh my God, I can't release this unless it's absolutely perfect and yeah. everyone thinks it's amazing and if people don't tell me that I'm wildly talented, then I, it was a failure. I'm never going to find love and I'm going to die under a rock. It's like, whoa, girl, <laughs> slow down. That's intense. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Dinner Views. I'm Matthew Francis and this is the show where I get to cook a dream dinner for my amazing friends here in Hollywood and then interview them about their life, their career, and their points of view on the world. Today is a friend that I haven't seen in a long time. She is a comedian, a writer, a filmmaker, and she worked with me at BuzzFeed and made some incredible videos. But since then, she's been out on many different platforms, writing stuff, creating hilarious videos. She saw me at Pride. She's making some amazing videos for Soul Pancake. And she has two of her own podcasts. One is Your New Favorite Person Pod, and the next one is I Couldn't Help But Wonder, which is all about Sex in the City and their crazy lives with her and her co-host. This is Rose now. <laughs> I was just, I just happened to be lying down. Yeah, you know, just popped up. She was always there, you guys. Nothing gross was happening. <laughs> we promise. I feel what's great about the show is that when you're kind of stuffing your face full of food, you can't help but be vulnerable and natural. Great. So that's the goal. I know. I was a little worried about this because I have a lot of fabulous qualities, yeah. but I'm not the most like feminine eater. I'm a little bit like a Tasmanian devil. I agree, I'm not either. So like, you know, I think that, but then we'll see the real rose, right? That is the real rose. Like, I always joke that like a family dinner, yeah. like a really expensive, great restaurant with my family, it's like 15 minutes. Like we eat so fast. Wow. It's just like, it's like Great Depression style. Like we better eat this before they're gonna take it away. Wow. So I'm gonna try and slow down so this whole thing is only like 30 seconds. That's good, yeah. We're gonna try and aim for about 45-ish minutes. Mm. Yes. Um, but first thing is wine. Cullen, can you come grab, grab the wine for us? Oh, I'm very excited. Yes, um, because of course we have to have some wine with dinner, right? Absolutely. Uh, here, let's cheers with the water first. Cheers. Cheers. Good to see you. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the guest book, how cute. Yes, so here we have some wine. Yes. And now the first thing that we always do is, um, before we get into any like the games and segments, because you have to work Ooh. for the dinner, you don't get it right away. Yes! I can't believe we have to work for that. That's so funny, Matthew. Yeah. But the first thing is, so like before, like, I kind of give a little update on like your career life, but for those who don't know you, who are watching, kind of give us just like a little, like, abridged life story of Ooh, Rose. Ooh, abridged life story. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I was a magazine writer and a stand-up comedian in New York for a long time. Yeah. And I wrote a lot of very funny personal essays, kind of David Sedaris type. Oh. Yeah, the first essay, like personal essay I ever wrote was called I Gave a Handy at Jew Camp. And it was about giving a hand job in a Bedouin tent for Vice Magazine. Wow. And I sort of became like a go-to comedy magazine writer in New York, Vice, New York Magazine, Cosmopolitan, GQ, Self, a million things. Wow. And um, I was also performing at clubs and, you know, I had a manager, a commercial agent, blah, blah, blah. And then I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker and write comedy TV and all this. So I moved to LA and I got my master's in fine art at USC. Whoa, fancy. I know, and I didn't even have to pay like $5 million in illegal donations or anything. Wow. I just had to pay the regular horrific $100,000. Like a real American? Not someone who just gets it like by their parents. That's right, great. Right, right. And um, then since, since graduating, I wrote on a couple of shows for True TV. Uh, I got into the Sundance Labs. I've been writing pilots and plays, and I also write and direct and act in comedy videos uh, for Soul Pancake and a bunch of other uh, digital platforms. And I also host, as Matthew said, 
podcast called Your New Favorite Person, where I interview successful artists. And when I use the word artist, I mean it in a really broad term. Mostly they're writers because I'm a writer. So I interview the producer of Insecure, one of the main producers of uh, Dear White People, um, a writer from Mad Men, this uh, woman named Beth Pickens, who's an artist consultant. So she helps people through their writing blocks. She wrote a book called Your Art Will Save Your Life. So your new favorite person, which you can find on Instagram at your new favorite person pod, is all about when you're an artist, there's so many ups and downs, financially, emotionally, am I good enough? Do I deserve to do this? Self-doubt, imposter syndrome. The podcast is really about like creating a safe community to be like, I'm like talking to really successful people about the times that they've had feelings of failure and how they got through it and how they struggled so that other artists can feel like they're not the only ones freaking out. So exactly. that's what that podcast is. And then the other one is called Couldn't Help But Wonder. And every week, my friend and co-host, Jamie Lee, she's a comedian, uh, writer, and actress on that HBO show, Crashing, produced by Judd Apatow. Uh, Jamie Lee and I watch an episode of Sex and the City and then talk about it on the pod and then talk about how it relates to our own love life. Um, so I've got a lot going on. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, I, it's amazing. And I feel like I'm tired for you. It's so <laughs> impressive. I don't know how you Thank do it all. You. I sleep a lot. I take a lot of naps. Um, I have a dog that I'm obsessed with. And um, he gives me a lot to live for. Good. He, I want to do great for him. What's your dog's name? His name is Chachi. We'll have a little picture somewhere. Yes. He has a million problems, a million medical problems uh. and behavioral. Like, I accidentally adopted, like, the most high-maintenance, <laughs> expensive, like, freak of nature, barely a dog, more of, like, a living disease mm. dog. But he's gorgeous and cute, so... Um, worth it? Worth it. And he's just an example of... Um, I, I was saying today, because he had a dog play date, that, like, he's so cute that it's almost like... You know, animals have um, defense mechanisms to keep them alive. Yeah. Like a Venus flytrap eats flies yeah. or a porcupine has pine needles to keep them alive. His only survival mechanism is that he's so fucking cute yeah. that when the vet's like, oh, it's going to be a thousand dollars to do this thing. You're like, okay, fine. Yeah. So, so I it's have- working on you. Yeah, <laughs> it's working on me. What I'm trying to say in a very long, windy story for non-dog people who stopped watching is that... I'm extremely vain, and his looks mean a lot to me. Got it. Got it. I well, I, I understand that because I want to keep puppy too. He's so cute. He's also so sweet. But um, this is for dog people. Other people don't care. But he was born with a bad liver, um, which I Damn. didn't know. But it's a lifelong problem that will never get better. And if a human was born with a liver like his, they would do a liver transplant. But they don't do that for dogs. So when you have a dog that just happened to have this, you go to the vets and you go, "Oh, like what can we do?" And they're like. I don't know. Good luck. Uh, You're like, cool. So uh, he'll just like, you know, live this really hard life. So drink up to me. Cheers. Cheers. To Chachi. To Chachi. To Chachi's liver. I'll drink for him because he can't. Yeah. Um, Well, amazing. So that's a lot. And I'm glad that you've um, been able to do all that and still come over and spend some time with me. Are you kidding me? I love, I love Matthew. Loved him since the first day I met him. He was in a video that we did called Queer People Go to the Gym. Yeah. I don't even fucking remember. Yeah. Link below, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, we went to this amazing queer-owned gym yeah. in Cypress Park, and mm. I met Matthew that way because I cast him. He's so sweet, such a lovely person, just and so young and so talented, and just fell in love with him. And I love eating. I'm a huge eater. I was thinking today that since I got a dog, yeah, it's 
really like I've come into my own. I've almost like come out of the dog closet and I'm like, I'm a dog person. I'm a dog person. I don't care who knows it. I love talking about dogs. I love thinking of dogs. I love dog people. And I was thinking by myself today in my apartment, I was thinking there's a couple people who are my people. Queer people are my people. Yeah. People of color are my people. Dog people are my people. And food people are my people. Wow. Those I are my people. Three of the four. Yeah. And actually artists are also my people. Okay. But those are big my peoples. And so eating and talking about food and thinking about food is like the joy of my life. So I'm very happy that you did this show. I think that one day this is going to be on TV very soon. Ooh. And I'm happy that I'm on the first version. Yes. So cheers to Matthew. More cheers. Yeah, thank you for inviting me and hosting and working all day to do this. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm hoping the food makes you like so excited. I hope I don't walk out of here. No. <laughs> that would be, I'd be like, oh. So basically this game is called Fast Food Favorites. And don't think of fast food, but think of like the game is fast, all okay. right? And you're going to pull names out of the hat and it'll say something like candy, right? And you're going to say your favorite flavor of candy. As fast as you can. As fast as you can. Great. And you're going to try and do as many as you can because um, the goal is to beat out the other contestants who have like a various amounts, like 17, 22, Great. whatever. Oh, I'm going to go fast. Gonna, oh, I feel like we I was believe born it. for this. Yes. And... Um, uh, and I'll give one minute on the clock, okay? Okay. And ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. My favorite bread is baguette. Amazing. My favorite herb is cilantro. Mm -hmm. My favorite dairy item is brie cheese. My favorite lettuce is butter lettuce. My favorite rice is white rice. My favorite party dip is French onion. My favorite seafood is oysters my favorite candy is australian strawberry licorice my favorite spice is red chili flakes my favorite vinegar i love vinegar korean vinegar dark vinegar my favorite cheese is triple cream brie my favorite chocolate bar is ritter hazelnut oh. milk chocolate bagel everything bagel toasted inside scooped out Oh. My favorite grain is pasta. I hope that's a grain. Sushi, great question. Hamachi forever. Ooh. Burrito filling. Oh, so you can, you can finish that one. Burrito filling, nopales, spinach, and potato. Ooh. God, I tried really hard on this one. That was good. Um, this is a fun game. I yes. would play this for fun. Yeah, because like, <laughs> like it, without a camera. Yeah, I On feel like. First date. Yes, it's a great way to like, get to know someone and like what you can like serve them for food or just like get to know like they're like preferences you know I love it so let's count them up 16 okay that's like middle of the road that's like impressive middle of the road yeah well so far like um this I would say of season two that's like really high up there but in season one Jaleesa do you remember Jaleesa yes all? she had like 24 she had like a mission she was she was really god great. damn it I'm so yeah. competitive I really wanted to dang yes that's all right just means it's come back sometime right <sighs> obviously just simply to beat my last score I'm just gonna practice I'm gonna get a bowl of these and go rice <laughs> like an auctioneer. <laughs> um, okay, so that was fast food favorites. Wow, my heart is a pounding. Yes. And the next um, segment is called What App, where while we eat an appetizer, I ask you questions from social media apps. I love it. Yeah. So um, let me pull up the questions that people like sent through Instagram. Great. Like, oh, that looks beautiful. Thank you. Ooh, gorgeous. Uh-oh. I think there's something in there that I love. I know. This looks beautiful. I can't wait to hear all the ingredients. Yes. So right here we have a fennel and arugula and orange salad. Mm. There's also some Parmesan in there and the dressing has olive oil, orange juice, lemon juice, salt, um, a little bit of chili and some Dijon mustard. Looks gorgeous. Yes. I have to say this is exactly what I like. 
amazing. Because what's nice, I always ask the guests, like, generally what they like, and Rose had a beautiful long list, and I was like, yes, I can do something great with this. I actually went on a date recently, and um, we were talking about food because I like to talk about food. Yeah. And my palate, I'm Jewish, so I grew up eating a lot of stuff steeped in vinegar. So mm. sauerkraut, pickles, everything pickled I really love. And it wasn't until my later years, to my deep 70s, no, until my <laughs> 20s, that I tried Korean food and Ooh. I had pickled daikon and kimchi. And now one of my favorite restaurants serves um, this dark vinegar. And I think my favorite flavors are citrus vinegar, really like umami sour. That's yeah. what I like. Yeah. Um, I, I think so too. Like anything that's kind of bright and like kind of like gonna refresh me, acidic yeah. is great. Same, and even in the cocktails, like I don't drink a lot, but the only thing I like to drink is white wine, tequila, mezcal, gin. But if I'm having a cocktail, I just want it to be like lemon or um, lime, like really clean. Amazing. So this is gonna be a great dinner for you. This is like all those kind of acidic that, flavors. That's what I love. It's like. My favorite, and, and I think thinly sliced fennel on like a mandolin or whatever this is, yeah, is just delicious. Should I give it a try? Yes, let's try it. Okay, this looks gorgeous. It smells really fresh. Mmm, the dressing is wonderful. Thank you. This is like the salad of the century. If I was in a restaurant, if I went to a restaurant, I would order this every time. Ooh, this is restaurant salad. That's how good it is. You know what? What? You know how like everyone has a fetish? Like not everyone has a fetish, but there's fetishes for every weird thing. Mm -hmm. You should like rec like take the noises of us chewing and see if you can sell it to some pervert. I probably could. And honestly, so I try not to like really lean into like the mouth chewing sounds for like the actual interview, even though I have a few here and there. But I'm going to, with all the recipe videos, I film and record the audio. So I'm gonna have like an ASMR of like the actual food being cooked and stuff. Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah, so like there's like a, a few examples is like in one of like Alex's and Alex Striker's video, I'm like ripping bread and you can hear that the ripping of bread and it just like sounds so great. So I'm gonna have like a, like a compilation of like ASMR food from season one, season two, whatever. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna come out hopefully pretty soon. We'll see. I will say this dressing is something I'm going to look at the recipe and make at home because this Perfect. is delicious. Right, it's really simple. I think what what's nice is as long as you um, like I have like these are like organic oranges. I have some good olive oil. You have enough salt in there. It's all just kind of enough to really give it a little of all the different flavors you want. It's on your so tongue. good. Yeah. Again, I love a bright, zesty salad. Mm -hmm. What about orgasm noises from the food? Mmm, this is so good. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm looking for. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, okay, so the I'm first. Sorry, this salad was orgasmic. Here, let me give you some more. Here, sell with some more. Oh, I'm offended at how good this is. How dare you? Good. Well, then I hope the ceviche also oh. makes you really happy. Okay, so first question is, if you had to narrow it down to one piece of writing that you've done, just like show someone like who you are, what's like your favorite article or video you've made? Oh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I think the piece of writing that I'm the proudest of is, um, a half hour comedy script that I wrote called Screwed that got me into the Sundance Labs. Mm. And it's about a, a sex and dating writer in New York in her 20s who um, is a total fraud and she's a really good writer, but she's giving all this relationship advice and she's like terrified of men and hates sex and like doesn't understand her body and can't orgasm and she's just a huge liar. So I'm really proud of that script. Yeah. Um, uh, are you hoping like to make it into something bigger one day? And Yeah. 
But, um, but with the nature of Hollywood, it, it's hard to do that, or? Yeah, I'm, I wrote it, it opened doors for me. You know, I have a manager and everything, but um, it's hard to get something made when you're not very well known. Right. But I'm sort of on this tip now. I've written lots of scripts, and now I'm kind of in this, like, I just want to start making stuff. Yes. Not start, I already have been, but... I'm focused a little less on like holding up and like writing lots of scripts and I'm kind of more sorry. That's fine. <laughs> when do we take our clothes off? That's after dinner. Oh good. Great. Dinner views and I'm trying to think of something clever. Uh, we'll, we'll put it in post. Yeah. We'll like, add, like, two weeks later I'll think of a joke and then we'll drop it in. Yeah. And it's like she'll, she'll my mouth yeah. my mouth will be like not all saying the thing. It's like meh, meh, meh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so right now I'm focused on writing short films and what, like comedy, comedy web series and like proof of concepts for TV shows because mm -hmm. people would much rather watch a five to ten minute, twelve minute video that you made that really shows what the show could be yeah. than read. Like if you have, if you, if you're, I'm not saying just a writer. Writing scripts is incredibly hard, and being good at that is wildly hard. But if you do that mainly and nothing else than just write scripts. But if you also like to act or if you're an actor and you're a performer and you know how to, you're a producer and you're a filmmaker, you have the skills to not just write but make your stuff. So yeah. I think I'm shifting a little more from just writing scripts to like writing stuff specifically that I know I could shoot and film. And writing more like proof of concepts and short form stuff that sort of show what the TV show would be. Because yeah. I think that goes longer. Yeah. You know like Insecure started as a web series, Broad City started as a web series, so many things started as web series. Yeah. And it's like, if you happen to be a filmmaker and you have those skills, like, and you're a writer, like, just make it. And then yeah. people will see if they want to do it or not. Because a lot of the best opportunities, I think, are the ones that we create for ourselves. Because mm -hmm. people don't just offer you always, like, the dream opportunities. They have to, just, like, make your own. Mm -hmm. And that's the way to do it nowadays. And expensive equipment and lots of crew and all that, that's really nice. But you either got it or you don't. Right. And people can tell if it's really low budget and low maintenance, if there's something there. Yeah. So you don't need the bells and whistles. They'll give it to you when you get it greenlit. So yeah. it's kind of nice to know that like, especially for comedy, of course it's nice if you have like gorgeous cinematography and yeah. really beautiful sets, but if your stuff is funny and people are laughing, they don't care what it looks like. No. Just make it funny. It's. Especially in the days of like now with everyone like on their iPhones, like they're used to kind of like a low budget like kind of aesthetic, you know. Mm -hmm. um, great. So uh, my next question is one that I know like you probably have a lot of opinions uh -oh. on, which is great, um, because I love all of your opinions on like men and dating and sex. So what are some like deal breakers for you with guys, and like how have you reacted to those deal breakers in the past with some guys? Oh, fun. Yeah. That's a really really good one. Um, you know what? It's not PC and it's not like post gender, but but it is a good barometer of how a man will treat you. I happen to be straight. It's happened. I've probably gone on like ten thousand dates. If a guy and it almost never happens. So when it happens, it's like jarring and you're like, whoa, that was weird. But if you get to a restaurant with a guy and he takes the booth, like he takes the good seat and you're sitting in the chair, that guy is not a good guy. Yeah. That guy is not gonna pay the bill. He's not gonna be sweet. He's not gonna. It's not a good guy. And it's like such a tiny thing. And again, it's really traditional. It's like, yeah. well, why should men do that? And I'm not saying it's the correct thing, but it's an indicator. Yeah. So It kind of indicates that he's like looking for himself first. Yes, and it's just a bad sign. I think if you happen to be a heterosexual woman and a guy does that, I also think really tall, handsome white guys 
are always the ones that are the two times that happen. And I mm. think men who have never had a problem where the doors have been open their entire lives and everyone has given them everything can be horrible partners. Yeah. Now, there's a really nice, tall, handsome white guy, date him. But I feel like it's really ironic to me that the two times that that happened were these like extremely good looking, tall, white, straight guys where I'm like, they just act like princes, like mm. prince of the land. Like I should yeah. be so lucky. And I'm like, actually, no. Yeah, I'm good, sir. Yeah, I am good, sir. Yeah. Um, other deal breakers, anyone who's a Republican is a deal breaker. <laughs> Trump supporters are deal breakers. Yep. I was flirting with this really good looking, really sweet guy, awesome. And as soon as he said that, I was like, no, because it's not about Republican or Democrat. It's if you can at all stand behind somebody who is so openly racist yeah. and hateful and xenophobic yeah. and hates gays, then I don't care like what the intricacies are. Like we will never work. Even yeah. if you also were like, yeah, that's not cool. But I do believe in some. It's like if you can also let that go, then you don't care about it. Yeah. So Republicans, Trump supporters, gone. What else are my deal breakers? I used to have a deal breaker that if a guy didn't pay on the first date, he was done. And again, it came from experience. It wasn't because I just thought this thing is how it should be. Yeah. It's something that like, when you are dating a lot, you are a scientist and every date you go on, you're collecting data. Totally. And if you have patterns, then you can make hypotheses based on those, or not hypotheses, kind of conclusions. And I noticed it didn't happen often, but the guys who never paid on the first dates, I had boyfriends who didn't pay on the first dates, were really self-centered. Like, mm just self-centered, non-generous people. And an old therapist of mine said, men who are financially cheap are emotionally cheap. They don't like to give. You wanna yeah. be with somebody that enjoys giving, that yeah. giving to you is a pleasure for them, not like an annoying thing they have to do. Yeah. And so I'm a little looser about that now because listen, the economy is rough. Yeah. I can't imagine being a straight man and having to pay for every single date. It's mm. really expensive. Yeah. So I try and be more flexible. I'm going on some dates with a really nice guy who didn't pay the first time, but then like was like, I'd love to invite you to dinner the second time. So I'm being more flexible about it because I understand that the economy is really tough yeah. and you know women are working too, blah, blah, blah. But I do think it's a nice gesture, whoever asked that they should. What are my other deal breakers? You know what? I'll tell you my deal breakers. I don't have a lot of deal breakers in terms of, I'm super tall, I'm six feet tall, I have no height requirements, I have no race requirements. Um, I don't have a type physically. I have a type personality-wise. Mm. There's a lot of women who make long lists, I don't know if gay men do this or... Probably. Me maybe, yeah. of qualities they're looking for in a partner. Yeah. I have lots of girlfriends that have done this and they like put the list away and then they get married and they find the list and they're like, oh my God, he literally checks off. I actually think that's a little toxic mm. to have such high expectations of someone because Dan Savage said something really smart. He said, there is no such thing as the perfect one. Yeah. Everyone's a 0.64 and you round them up to a one because guess what? You're not a perfect one either. Yeah. You have baggage. Yeah. So I think this generation, including myself, gen millennials and gen, gen Zs, is it gen, gen Zs? Yeah. Because of online dating and because of you know prolonged adolescents and people getting married later and not having kids, or if they do really later, we're, we're, we're really selfish for a really long time. Yeah. I think there's so many ways to dismiss people. Yeah. Oh, he's really nice and he's this and he's this, but he doesn't have a car. He's really Ow. funny, da, 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 but he did this, gone. Like yeah. on the littlest things. And I think people are getting a little crazy because yeah. the truth is no one's gonna have it all. You don't have it all. Yeah. You gotta be a little chill. It's yeah. so easy to just X people out now. Like, yes, no, yes, no, there's always more options. But the way a relationship works is 
you just sink down a little. You're yeah. a little patient and let things grow and things can also get better. So I don't like having a lot of a man must be this, this, right. and this. I have two requirements. A relationship maker. I have more relationship oh, makers than deal breakers. Love it, okay. My relationship makers are, I need to be with somebody who's positive. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people out there, men and women, who are cynical, jaded. They like to complain. I don't like bonding over complaining. I don't like going, God, my job sucks so hard. That girl was such a bitch. That, that movie sucks. That's not fun for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I like life. Yeah. I get a lot out of life. Yeah. I like food. I like things. I like to bond over loving things. Yeah. There's a lot of really negative people who just like to be negative. To me, imagining attaching myself to a negative person, there's so many of them out there. Imagine living a long life with a negative person. No. What a bummer. Yeah. I have fun very easily. I wanna be with somebody who also does. It doesn't yeah. take much, you yeah. know? So somebody with like a good attitude who really enjoys life, yeah. that's like the number one. And then the number two is somebody with a growth mentality. Mm. I have a growth mentality. Like self-improvement when they wanna get better. Yeah, like, like, yeah. Like, like if you said to me, you know, Rose, you did something last week and it really hurt my feelings. My reaction wouldn't be like, well, fuck you. I was, da, da, da. my reaction is, oh man, I'm so sorry I did that. Yeah. Let me think about that and how I can get better. And I'm like always open to changing. Yeah. I'm not one of those people where I'm like, oh, when I'm 50, I'm just gonna be like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. I'm on a long path of hoping to grow and learn my whole life. Yeah, that's the way to live. Yeah, and I've done like years and years of therapy. I'm still in therapy, I love therapy. Really agree with all you're saying. And one thing too that really kind of struck a chord with me is you know, one person can't be your everything. Because what I've learned is when you try to make your partner, your your confidant, your sexual partner, yeah. your f best friend, uh -huh. your like crazy one, like, um, you know, ex experiential, mm -hmm. like night out person, that's when like you rely too much on them and then something goes wrong, you're like destroyed. You have to rely on your parents, your yes. friends, and like they are all... It's a world, you, it's a community. Yeah, yes, that was, that's what makes you whole, is your whole friend group, your whole... A hundred percent. Yeah. And when you, you have to say, you have to let your partner be them yeah. and what they bring to you that's good is what you have to admire and, and enjoy. I completely agree. And yeah. just to go back to the relationship maker versus deal breaker, yeah. as I was saying with growth mentality, I'll hear friends being like complaining about husbands or boyfriends yeah. or girlfriends. I'll be like, well, why don't you guys go to therapy? Or like, why don't you guys go yeah. to counseling? And, oh, he'd never do that. Oh, she'd never do that. I would never be with somebody who would never be open to like investigating. Yeah. That to me, is not a long-term person. Right. So that ends my thing. I think if you wanna go the Rose Cerno way and you like someone and you think it could be, ask them if they would ever go to couples counseling. Say, if we ever had problems in the future, would you go with me to couples counseling? If they say no, I think it's done because you're going to have problems for yeah. sure 100%. Yeah. The question is, are you gonna deal with it and get better or are you just gonna like silently, resentfully? I have friends who are in marriages where they just have sex and don't talk and they're just like kind of cohabitating. It's really intense. That's a really great barometer of like, even like early on in the relationship. I think that's a great question to ask. Yeah. I think so too, because yeah. it's like, depending on where you live and what your cultural background is, you know, therapy can be taboo. I'm Jewish, so it's like a requirement. <laughs> it's like the opposite of taboo. But I always think if someone's in therapy, to me, it's a good sign. Yeah. The people that are super fucked up would never even think to go to therapy. It's yeah. the people who have no idea what their issues are yeah. and never look inside. Yeah. If, if someone's going to therapy, you're like, oh, you care about your behavior. And you're, like, you're emotionally strong and you're trying. And I think that, that is so important. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, amazing. That was um, some of the questions people were asking. Good. One last one that I want to ask is, um, so throughout your career, you've done so many incredible things. Thank you. And your podcast, and one of them, is all about like the struggles and like the mm -hmm. hardships. So, like, mm -hmm. What has been one hardship for you in your career so far that you are either have... Um, already happened to you that you've worked through or one that you're still working on? 
That's a great question. Inspired by her amazing podcast, which really? I, I listened to all of them. Did you like them? Yes, I love them. Thank you. Um, the one guy who was like, he was like a waiter and he had like the drug issues. That was the comedian. first one. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. That yeah. was an amazing one. Yeah. Uh, I think I struggle with um, fear of success, which is part of a core wound of feeling like not worthy. Mm. Because every time something major happens in my career where I, something good happens to me, I feel a lot of anxiety and I feel like I'm not worth it and I get really anxious and it's really hard for me to enjoy. Mm. Um, when I graduated with a master's in screenwriting from USC, which is the number one best film school in the country with like the most competitive screenwriting program in the country, I was the only person out of our entire graduating class to immediately get a writing job on a TV show and immediately get a, a manager at like the best place to be managed if you're a comedy writer. I should have been so happy. I should have felt so good. Mm. I was full of terror and shame. I felt like this is a mistake. They're gonna find out I'm not talented. I'm gonna get dropped from my manager. Uh, this is just a matter of time. And I didn't enjoy a second of it. Oh. And that makes me feel bad. Yeah. And I, that's a core wound thing. I have some like rejection issues, per, you know, family stuff. Yeah. And it takes a really long time and I'm not, I don't think I've, healed from it yet. It's yeah. it's like a long thing to feel like you deserve success and that yeah. you are talented and it's it's a really tricky one because it can bite you in the ass because it can make you self-sabotage opportunities. And also, it's just sad because you wanna be happy for yourself. So that's something that I'm still struggling with. My therapist, who's not really a therapist, he's a Buddhist spiritual advisor and yeah. he's awesome. He's this Jewish guy, Josh Corda. You should listen to his podcast. It's called Dharma Punks, D-H-A-R-M-A-P-U-N-X. He's 30 years sober. He's cool. Jewish. His parents are like Russian Jewish immigrants. He's got tattoos over his entire body, just not his face. He's like the most fabulous guy. <laughs> and we talk and he gives me meditations and there's this like self-esteem meditation he talks about that he's given me where like you have to envision, you get really calm, you like, you know, get into a meditative state, yeah. whether it's breathing or however you get there. And then you envision a time or an experience where you were really proud of yourself. Yeah. And it could be anything. It could be like... When something you, small, something big. Yeah, it could be you helping someone. It could be you got this thing. Anything that you felt proud and you envision yourself feeling proud. You envision people looking at you, being proud of you. And then you envision yourself. Like you're looking in the mirror. Your eyes are closed. And you envision what you look like and you put all those feelings onto you. So you start subconsciously correlating yourself mm. with like really good feelings of worth. Yeah. So apparently that is like, they've done Harvard studies about it, like having a big, but I think feeling worthy of success is a really crucial part of success mm. because I think if you don't feel that you deserve it, it's gonna be really hard to get to that level. I think yeah. you have to like bring your whole soul to it. Yeah. And also, you want to be able to enjoy it when you're there and not yeah. feel like, oh, I, I mean, when I got into the Sundance Labs, I was like, this is a mistake. I don't know how this happened. My script is the worst one here. It's like bullshit. I don't, yeah. it's just like this really, it's a, it's a voice of uh, an influential family member of my life who had a very critical voice that we all internalize the voices of the people that took care of us. And if you had a very critical caretaker, it takes a long time to get that voice out, yeah. if ever. Yeah. That was intense. Yeah, it was, but I mean, I relate to that. You know, yeah. I think a lot, of, a lot of us in this town, in this industry, like really uh, can relate to that. And one thing that I've 
tried to like tell myself, even though it's like hard sometimes, because like sometimes when we look at like successful people, we put them on such a big pedestal that they, they make no mistakes and they're right. perfect, right? They're but like you, full of fear and terror. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, same thing. They're just like all of us. They're just as scared. They're just as fearful. And they're just as like idiots. Like we're all idiots. And I try to like remind myself like, they also don't know what they're doing, so I'm fine. And I just have to like keep doing my thing and trying my best. And I, I it helps, but also and then there's days I'm just like, oh fuck, why am I here? You know? You know what? Another thing that helps um, me with this idea is that like, the truth is the people that become really successful in our industry, film, TV, podcasting, entertainment, the umbrella yeah. of media and entertainment. Yeah. It's not the most talented people. It's the most audacious people. Yes. It's the people that just fucking do it. Mm -hmm. How many short film screenings or film festivals have I gone and seen a movie that was okay? And that person eventually gets better and better. It's not about how good you are. It's how you, it's putting yourself out there, sticking with it and getting better. Yeah. Cause so many people give up. And when yeah. you give up, that's when you're out. And you know what else? If you make something that's not that good, big deal. Just make another thing. I have a friend who's creative, um, POV is something I have copied and tried to adopt. Mm. Her name is Shayna Feinberg. She's a really talented filmmaker in New York. You can look up her stuff. Really talented comedian, a comedy writer, filmmaker. And she had a she has a really playful, light-hearted view of creativity. Yeah. Just write something. If it's not good, who cares? Then just write another thing. If yeah. it's not good, who cares? It's not about being good. Just do it and keep doing it. And mm. she just just keeps putting work out. And then it just gets better and better and better. And it's like just being a little more, I'm such a perfectionist and like, oh my God, I can't release this unless it's absolutely perfect and yeah. everyone thinks it's amazing and if people don't tell me that I'm wildly talented, then not. it was a failure. I'm never going to find love and I'm going to die under a rock. It's like, whoa, girl, <laughs> slow down. That's intense. Yeah. And if you put that, put that kind of pressure on you, like everything I put out there in the world. Also, this is another thing. If you have core wound issues, if you have like core shame issues, which I do, then everything you put out you think is like, evidence of whether you're lovable or not oh, so man. if if your self-esteem is tied up in your work that's a huge amount of pressure if you're like if this video is bad then i'm unworthy and unlovable that's gonna paralyze your art yeah. and you're never gonna release anything yeah so i think also like being a little softer about like if this video is bad who cares everyone everyone makes bad stuff woody allen you know whatever you want to say about his personal life obviously he's a really fraught person but i think he's like one of the best comedy writers and filmmakers of all time He's made tons of bad movies. It's like every other movie is bad. Has that ever stopped him? Right. No. Right. He does it because he's got to do it and he wants to do it. Yeah. Also, another really good resource if you're creative and you go through these ups and downs and you want something to kind of ground you is to get Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. Ooh, okay. Explain. It's a self-help book for creatives. A lot for writers, but I think anyone could use it. You know, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. It was her fourth book she had written many books before that nobody paid attention to actually that's not true one of them was like nominated for a really big prize but it was her fourth book it was a phenomenon it's, yeah, yeah. it sold millions of copies worldwide it was like a freak thing yeah and when she was done with the book and it did this huge thing all these people were like are you scared to write again you're never gonna top that you made the boat the biggest most yeah, important yeah. book you ever made are you scared she said no because I'm gonna write until the day I die. And if it does well, it does well, and it doesn't, it doesn't, that's not why I'm doing this. And she yeah. just put her head down and wrote another book. Yeah. And it wasn't as successful, but that's not what it's about. Yeah, I love that. Cause that's kind of what I think of like this show in a way, because I was like, actually when I was at Buzzfeed, I did pitch it as like an intern, like a, mm -hmm. a show we could do there. And no one believed in it. No one thought it would work, so lame. And too much work, right? And I was like, oh, well, you know, that sucks and no one else likes it. I know I'd be good. And so then when I left, I was like, 
I'll just do it. And myself, and um, now it's great. It, I own it. I can do it until I'm 80. Like, And you, you should do it until you're 80. It, even if no one else watches it, like, I would enjoy bringing my other, like, friends from the nursing home, making them dinner and chatting. It's like, it's, I can do it forever. And I love that, like, that's such a great way to think about it. It's like, if you're doing something you like, you do it till you die, and who gives a shit what anyone else thinks? Yeah, and, like, the process is it. Yeah. It's also, like, a way of looking at life is, like, not what it's going to get you. I remember an old therapist of mine was like, Rose, when do you think you're going to be happy? When you get an Emmy? That's when you're going to be happy? She's like, I have a client that was like, oh, I'll be happy when I get an Emmy. They got an Emmy. Still unhappy. I'll get. It. I'll be happy when I have two Emmys. Two Emmys. Not happy. Y- you have to decide to be happy now. There's yeah. no outside thing that's going to make you happy. Yeah. The, making the art should be the joy in itself. Yeah. Right now, us talking, having a fun time, eating yeah. this dinner, this is the end. Yeah. Whatever else happens, happens. Yeah. I also yeah. think people can tell when you're enjoying something. If I'm having fun writing... It can show on the page. Yeah. When you had fun making a meal, it shows, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I think that, like, enjoying the things you're doing is sort of it. Yeah. And, like, and then what a great life if if you are creating what you love and it shows in your work. And then when you your life is over, you have a whole body of work that shows a well-lived life. There you go. Right? I'm telling you, this salad <laughs> should be, like, in a magazine. Ooh. One day, maybe I'll pitch that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that was um, the segment What App. Great. And now we're ready on for like our entree, okay? And while we're I'm gonna get- keep eating salad. Yes, that's why it's here. Also, I'm a garbage disposal. Like, there will be no leftovers. That's how I describe myself when I eat. When people are like, oh, we could get leftovers, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm like. I've never like met a doggy bag. No, no. I say either garbage disposal or like a personal black hole. I yeah, say. also, it's like, if it's delicious, I don't care if I'm full. Um, okay, so the next segment is called Dream Dish. So while I get your dream dish and I'm dishing for you, you're gonna dish for the people who are watching Ooh. either a secret you haven't told people before, oh, wow. something mm. that you wanna like dish. Okay. Isn't she gorgeous? Woo! Hello there. Um, okay, so here we have ceviche, and um, it is a sea bass and shrimp ceviche. Oh, yum. It has lime juice, orange juice, heirloom tomatoes, red onion, a little bit of habanero, a little bit of jalapeno, oh. cilantro, and then we have some corn chips to dip. And then some people do love cilantro, so it's like more of it's on the side if you do like it. If you don't, it's, you I can love avoid it. it. And then avocado if you want that as well, and then corn chips. So- FYI, I've died and gone to heaven. This is my favorite kind of food. I feel so honored. See, this just makes me happy. I'm so happy. I mean, truly, like, it's kind of weird. This isn't a deal breaker, but, like, it would be really sad to be married to somebody or in a long-term relationship with somebody who can, like, take or leave food. I I have a story for you. I was once in high school, and this is, like, before I decided to go to culinary school, right? Or I, I decided, but I didn't, like, tell everyone yet. And I was at a dinner with, like, some friends and, like, some acquaintances. And I said, you know, I'm excited. I'm going to go to culinary school soon. And one of the guys was like, Really? You're gonna waste your life cooking food? Like he was like Waste your life. He was like he was like, I could have like soylent every day and be fine. Like why would you waste your life doing that? And I was like That is so wild. Sad. I'm like, what kind of life are you trying to lead, dude? I feel like eating delicious food and drinking wine and talking to friends is like truly the point. It's the point of life. It I tr- literally like, tr- is. Food, friends, travel, wine, that's life. Add dogs and I'm in. Yes, yes. Chachi, mommy says hi. <laughs> oh, so I have to dish now. Yes, so while I'm dishing for you, please tell us either a secret or okay. like some kind of thing that you're loving that the world should know more about. Okay, well, um, this is gonna sound like I'm this like really serious person. I'm not, I'm really fun, but I do feel very passionate about helping people in their relationships because okay. as somebody who wrote about sex dating and relationships for a long time, as somebody who's been in therapy for a long time, thank you. Mm-hmm who listens to friends talk about their issues and just somebody who knows about the human condition. Yeah. 
I want to recommend the best self-help book I've ever read. Okay. I read it a while ago, Life Changing. Ooh. Everyone should read, especially if you are interested in being in a relationship or you notice that you like the same people all the time and they're not the right person. The best self-help book of all time is called Attached. Okay. And essentially, it's about the way people attach in romantic relationships. So, according to this book, which was written by, um, God, I don't remember their names, but it's based on a, psycho a psychological theory that the way people bonded to their caregivers, whether you were raised by your parents, your grandparents, the way that, that you bonded to the people that raised you yeah. is directly going to impact the way you're going to bond romantically. Which sucks for a lot of us because yeah. a lot of our families are fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I believe um, that. Yeah. And so there are three attachment styles. If your parents were able to see you for who you were, accepted you, if you felt like your needs were met, if you felt seen, heard, and taken care of, I don't know anyone who has, but if you have, go girl. Um, you grew up with secure attachment, which means when you enter into a romantic relationship, you don't have a lot of baggage because you're not like, oh no, what if this happens? You grew up feeling like, oh, in a relationship, I get my needs met. So you walk in very um, confident that mm. like you will get your needs met. You don't have a lot of anxiety about it. If you grew up feeling rejected or abandoned by one of your caregivers, <laughs> Dab. <laughs> then you grew up with anxious attachment style, which means when you get into a romantic relationship, there's a lot of anxiety. You're really worried that the rug is gonna get pulled out or somebody's gonna leave you at any moment or you're just looking for signs of rejection. And that can manifest in being clingy and needy. And when somebody pulls back, it's hard for you to like let them have space, et cetera, et cetera. And then the third type of attachment style is avoidant. Um, maybe you, your parents were suffocating or didn't give you any space or were verbally abusive or made you feel uncomfortable in some way or inappropriate or whatever, neglectful. There's a million reasons why you could be avoidant. But avoidant people, when they fall in love and get close, gets really, get really panicked and they pull away. No they, need, they need a lot of space. Yeah. Everyone wants to find love, whether you're wants and wants to be loved, yeah. whether you're secure, anxious, or avoidant. Even yeah. avoidant people that say they don't want to be in relationships that pull away, they still want it. It's just terrifying to them. Yeah. And according to the book, even though it's the worst pairing, anxious and avoidant people are a moth to a flame because you attract your wound. Whatever your issue is, you're going to attract it again mm. and again until you heal it. And so... Whoa, that's so deep. I'm very deep. <laughs> And I'm an anxious attacher and I've mm. had almost exclusively relationships with avoidance because that's my wound. Wow. Yeah. And avoidance can be charming and nice and funny and wonderful and great people. A lot of people you love are probably also avoidant. It doesn't make them bad people. It's just a very bad combination for anxious. And basically what happens when anxious and avoidant people fall in love is they fall in love and then the avoidance like, oh my God, this is really scary. I got to like pull back. Yeah. The worst nightmare for an anxious person is somebody just disappearing. Yeah. It's like, uh oh, red flags, this happened before, this is not a good thing. So when an avoidant person pulls back, the anxious person leads More. forward, wow. which is a nightmare for an avoidant person. They're like, oh my God, my worst nightmare is that someone's gonna be clingy and need me and now that's what's happening. And then it explodes. Yeah. Now, if you have anxious or attachment um, styles, which most people do, many women have anxious, many straight women have anxious, many straight men have avoidant. Um, that's just as a straight woman just looking around the dating scene and having friends and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, queer people, I don't know if it goes down the line so much. That being said, there are plenty of women who are avoidance and men who are anxious. And you can be different in different relationships. In one relationship, you could be totally secure. In another, you're anxious. Whatever. Some people are down the line. And you can get better. Just because you're avoidant or anxious doesn't mean that's your 
sentence for life. You mm. could do self-work and get better. But another thing that's nice about the book is if you have anxious or, or, or avoidant attachment, you can also just get to know yourself and say, oh, this is the thing I have. And then know that the best match for you is somebody who's secure. Because if you're anxious or avoidant, if you get with a secure person, they're not gonna play any games with you yeah. and it's gonna relax you and it will bring you up to secure. Yeah. So you can actually become secure in a relationship with a secure person. Wow. So if you're anxious okay. or avoidant, I highly recommend that you are, I have friends who are engaged and she's anxious and he's avoidant and they're working on it through therapy. It's not like it's a death sentence, but. Your goal is to both become more secure in each other and in yourself. Yeah, and like if you are anxious and you're in love with someone who's avoidant or vice versa, it's not a death sentence if you're both like, okay, we notice we have these things and we're gonna work really hard to fix it. But you can also do yourself a favor if you're single and just try not to be with that type of person again. So I learned all that stuff in this book. It's wow. really useful, especially if you're like, God, why do I keep doing this? It makes you do an inventory of everyone you've ever been with and what attachment style they have yeah. and like. Okay. So I think that's a must read. And that's my, that's my. Attachment? It's called Attached. Attached, got it. Amazing. I need that. I think we are. We both have people that we can relate to that. So that's interesting. Um, okay. So now I see you're already trying the food. How oh, is the can ceviche? I? Yes. So how is the ceviche? Is it tasting good? Mmm. I love it. Ten out of ten. This is so delicious. I love food like this. I like food that's fresh and zesty, mm. as yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. I think fresh and zesty is my whole thing. Yeah, and it's also like, it's great to have healthy, all like the nutrients are there. Also it's, fish is so good for you. It's so good for you. Yeah, I think another thing I have to say is, mm -hmm. what's a turn off, and this is not just for romantic, for friends or just people. It mm -hmm. really turns me off when people don't try new food. Totally, I feel you that. Like they get the same thing every time they go to a restaurant. Or like you make something for them, you spend time making them, they're like, mm, I'm gonna avoid it. That's a little bit. For people who are like, oh, that's weird. It's like, bitch, are you serious? Yeah, maybe for you, not for me. And it's also just like, expand your palate. Yeah. So now we dish, we played some games, and now we're like in the dinner view. Okay. Where like, we're gonna finish eating and we're just gonna kind of dive deeper into who is Rose. Mm. So you are such a prolific person. Like mm. you're just going, 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 creating so many things what would you say growing up or even just now like what inspires you to keep going oh that's a really good question well hang on I need to take one delicious bite good enjoy all the bites you want mm. I think something that's informed my work a lot is psychology obviously these mm -hmm. are the things I talk about a lot I think a lot of people artists queer people misfits of all kinds mm -hmm. if you grow up feeling like you weren't really understood or seen whether it's by your parents, your community, your peers, there's this need to have people know who you are. Yeah. And I think because I felt so unseen and misunderstood by people in my life, I feel like my compulsion to make art is to reaffirm who I am to myself in the world. And I think when people don't feel seen, they spend right. their life trying to show people who they are. That is so profound. Like, I think that's something I always like, understood but you just like kind of wrapped it in a nice little bow yeah that was so great yeah exactly I feel like same for me like I, I grew up in a really small town I had big dreams and no one really understood what, what I wanted to accomplish and I didn't even really know I just knew that I had something I wanted to do and so um, yeah and I think people especially when it comes to like storytelling yeah we want to create the art that would have helped us as kids 
right? Yeah, and also just like, I mean, everyone experiences alienation, even non-artists, whatever. But yeah. again, like I've always had a lot of really artsy friends and queer friends, and I think it's this community of like, we don't belong and we're gonna make our own shit. Yes, make our I feel, own space. Yeah, that I feel really identified with. I've never like really felt like I belonged in a mainstream space. Like, I went to this really bro-y, homophobic, anti-Semitic jock high school, mm. and I was just like, reading books and like seeing indie films and foreign films and like playing music and I don't know I mean I hate to say it but it was just the only thing I cared about was like sports and beer and all this like really aggressive hetero shit and like yeah. bad music and I'm like I just was like I don't see anything here that I like. Did we go to the same high school? I mean I think a lot of high schools yeah. and I didn't even feel lame I mean yeah. I wasn't like oh you guys are cool and I'm lame I'm like you guys are lame. You I know my whole, my whole my whole high school I was like I can't wait to get out. And so I think about making art is like making the space for yourself that like doesn't exist in the mainstream, you know? Yeah. When it comes to your actual process of creating and actually writing, actually filming, mm -hmm. do you find that your hardest like roadblocks or hurdles are with yourself or like working with some certain types mm -hmm. of people? Like what are roadblocks that you find in creating your art? Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest roadblocks I experience are totally internal. Um, with writing, I was feeling blocked for a long time. Again, because of the things I had mentioned, just yeah. being like, oh God, if this is bad, my entire ego will crumble. And it just put too much pressure on myself. Yeah. And the nice thing is, everything is, you can get through anything. And I totally have. I just sort of like took a more playful attitude. I took some classes about like tapping in the subconscious and like writing from the subconscious. And I just started taking my process a little less seriously and being like, okay, Rose, instead of being like, I have to write the most important script of all time that's gonna like, Change, change the everything. world. Yeah. It was like, oh, I'm just gonna write some stuff that'd be fun to shoot. And so it kind of got me out of my blocks. But yeah, I think my my biggest hurdles are internal critical voices. Got it. And how do you how do you move past that? Like you kind of mentioned a little bit, but like Oh, oh, I would say um The Artist's Way, another great self-help book. Mm. Is like literally four blocked artists of any kind. You don't even have to be an artist professionally. You could just be a human being that's like, I feel a little creatively blocked. Even if you're a lawyer, accountant, whatever, you just yeah. want to tap into some other parts of yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing that really helped me unblock was this thing called morning pages. Oh. Every morning, every single morning, you just write and fill up three pages. You don't lift up your pen. You go, go, go. It can be about anything. It could not even make sense. You could right. just say, I don't know what I'm writing. Whatever. Every morning. And even writing morning pages being like, oh yeah, I love writing. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes like the, the idea of it is more scary than actually doing it. Yeah, just making yourself do it. and. Yeah. I think another thing that helped me get through it was just giving myself little projects. Like, I'm just gonna write like a two minute like funny sketch. Yeah. And then being like, oh yeah, this is really fun. Yeah. Cause once you get into it, yeah. it's not as, as hard at all. Uh -huh. I also hear like, I think, don't, doesn't like JK Rowling and um, the guy who wrote uh, Game of Thrones, what's his name? Benioff? Um, no, no, George R. R. Martin. Like, oh, right. Like, I think they both do that. Like every day, they, like, as soon as they wake up, they start writing a bit. Yeah. Um, makes sense. They, uh, they're huge prolific writers, so that's probably the way to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's also this like thing of like, what's the best writing advice? And it's just like ass in chair. It's just like, just do it. <laughs> and I think, but like mentally, to get over feelings of, of blocks, I think just kind of taking the pressure off by being like, okay, today I'm just going to write something silly. Doesn't mm -hmm. gonna, nobody's going to see it. It doesn't have to be for professional. I'm just going to like, write a fun thing for myself. Mm -hmm. I think just reconnecting with the fun of it mm -hmm. and taking some of the like career pressure off. Exactly. Well, speaking of career pressure, mm -hmm. um, so are you someone that like has like a, a, like a five, 10 or 20 year plan or you kind of go in the moment? If so, if you do have like plans mm -hmm. in the future, what are you hoping to do 
as the years progress? Like, what's, like, your main goal in Rose Through Nose Life? Great question. My first goal right now is to sip this wine. Um, my goal is to write for television. I want to write and star in a show that I create kind of, like, obviously the holy grail is Fleabag, but... Oh, yeah. don't get me started. Yeah, so I think my dream is to do something like that. I want to... My dream is to write stuff and put it on, like put on plays, put on, um, make great TV shows and also perform in them. And um, yeah, that is my goal. Yeah, I, I, it's already, I can see it already starting to take shape and like I'm excited for when it actually happens. Thank you, I yeah. think it's coming. I can kind of feel it. It yeah. feels like, it feels undeniable. All, yeah, all like the pieces are coming together. I think so too. And um, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in that audience cheering on. I'm gonna be at home like recording it. I'm so excited. Oh, you're gonna do the uh, food for the premiere. Ooh, please invite me. Um, okay, great. So, like, do you have a specific? Oh, wait, what? Can I ask you a question? Yes, please. What is your goal? Ooh, so um, it's fun when they turn the questions on because yeah, I'm curious. So basically, I've always loved food, and I've always loved media. And as when I was a kid, I thought I only could do one or the other. But then after going to culinary school, like I was like, oh, I'm gonna be a chef and work in restaurants. That's all I'm gonna do. But then I somehow I uh, I got into I created a short film with like a speech I wrote in high school because I was on my high school speech team, and like that's my first time. We did a short film on of the speech I did, and I saw a little bit of how filming works and how editing works, and I got, like, got the bug. And then, so while I was at culinary school, I started a YouTube channel, and I started making my own food videos. So awesome. And that's how BuzzFeed um, contacted me, and I started working for them. And so now, like, my goal has really changed and evolved, and my lifetime goal is to have restaurants that focus on positivity, great quality food, but, like, making sure that the employees aren't, like, scared to come to work every day. Like, good quality. <laughs> you mean the opposite of, like, this, ma like, this, like, toxic masculinity, yeah. hetero, like, angry chef who, like, because, screams yes, at people? because I've worked in restaurants like that, and I don't want my employees to ever feel that way. So my goal is to, like, kind of change the restaurant industry and have great restaurants in that regard. I love that. But then also I love storytelling and, and filmmaking so much, so my goal is to create, like, have, like, a little niche where I can create TV shows and movies or like series that focus on like queer people, women of color, um, people of color, and like people that work in food. Love it. And because I believe, let's say let's take Grey's Anatomy for example. I think you even though I've never seen it. Me neither, but I know the idea of it. Okay. Um, you if you watch that show, they're not and none of them are real doctors, but you watch that show and you learn more about what it means to be a doctor than you would from like Doctor Oz or Doctor Phil, right? So I want to create scripted shows and movies that tell you what it's like to work in food or be someone that loves food. Did you watch Sweet Bitter? Yes. What'd you think? Um, I liked it a lot. Um, and I think, like, so one thing I know is a lot of these shows that are created right now aren't created by a lot of, like, chefs, right? So I right, really they're wanna, just like, writers. Yes. So I want to, like, bridge that gap and be right. able to um, do what they're doing that's amazing, but, right. like, add more to it. Add more, like, insider scoop. Insiders, and, like, and then also focus on the food more because, like, it can be a food movie and it's not even really about, like, food shots. And I know how to showcase food through... Um, you know, cinematography. So, like, I want to be able to create movies and TV shows about food, and let's say if I'm filming in a restaurant, it can be my restaurant. So that way I have a mix of, I want a production company that can, like, market my own food at my restaurants, and then, and then have my location be in restaurants in my movies and TV shows. That way I have, like, both the business side of, I give you a burger, you give me $10, and also, like, intellectual property that people sometimes feel they can steal, but also can be worth millions. So, like, I want the, the mix of the physical and the intellectual. Okay, I have questions for you. Amazing. Go shoot. What is your favorite reality show about food? Um, I have a couple questions for you. That's okay, the first one. Great. Um, I will be honest. Uh, I'm not a big fan of reality shows of food mm -hmm. because I feel like the whole goal is to throw someone off. It's not. A lot of them aren't about like the quality of food or like what can be the best. It's like who's the worst and who's the leftover. What about Chef's Table? 
Um, well, that's not reality to me. Like that's like more like a I documentary. Mean, I mean, unscripted. Oh, then yeah, I love. Um, I just watched Street Food. I love Street Food. Oh, I haven't seen it. Who um, is it? It's same people who made Chef's Table. But mm. what's great about I so Chef's Table was wonderful, but it's like kind of super grand, like grandiose and like romanticizing the chef world, which I get. But it's also like the food world is really hard. Restaurants are really hard, and I think they don't really always make it as honest as possible. So I loved Street Food because. It focused on vendors from around the world that are like super poor until they the restaurant or their it's little. It's more blue collar. It's more down yes. to earth. It's not like yeah. And great. We, we waited seven hundred years to like get a rest, reservation at this. Yes, super it's not unaffordable. Right. And the food is beautiful in it, and like the storytelling is great. It's just fun and easy, and so yeah, I love street food. But any of that, like um, like food documentaries, like I loved Cooked. I love um, there's many that are really really great, and I want to create more like that, but also like scripted stuff. What about Anthony Bourdain? Is he kind of a hero? Um, I've never watched his stuff, but he went to my school, and everyone loves him, and I love that he got to like travel and, and do food. Wait, stuff, you should watch his stuff because I he's literally what you're talking about. I know he was a chef that became a media personality. Yeah, the, basically, I always say that I have a lot of catch up on because I've just been working so hard either doing my own stuff or like in the kitchen. So That's like, fair. I, and like since food and food media was my life, it's kind of hard to always watch it in my free time. Oh, in your free time you just want to like watch Parks and Rec and Yes. Oh my God. Exactly. Or like okay. Fleabag, right? Yes, um, I get that. But yeah, but so I need to, now that I'm kind of working on actually actively creating it, I need to do more of my research and more of my homework. So I'm not like replicating and, or copying It's things, okay if you replicate. Everybody replicates, but just so you know what you're replicating. Yeah. But I know he's someone that everyone loves, and I need to do some more research on him. And, and I would love to be able to kind of make the same kind of impact that he has made. Yeah, and also I think this idea of like, oh, you have to think of something no one's ever thought of. I don't think that's even true. Yeah. Everyone's copying each other all the time. It's just you do it with your own spin. Yeah. That, I have another question. Please. What's your favorite narrative film about food? Um, have you ever seen Babette's Feast? I haven't. It's really good. Like Water for Chocolate? Okay. No, I haven't no, seen it. No, see, again, like, I'm behind. I need to watch more. Like, I but one ones I have seen. I've loved Julia and Julia. Um, okay, with, never seen with, it. That's with um, yeah, Meryl Streep and, and Amy Adams. Adams. Yep. How was it? Um, I loved it because like I'm a big fan of Julia Child. I watched her growing up, like with my dad, and I like the idea of what she's doing, where she's like, "Fuck it, I'm leaving my job. I'm doing my own thing." Like I related to that even when I was a kid, and now like, now even more I relate to it. I want to see more beautiful food shots, and there's so much more. Okay, well, you need to see Big Night. Okay. It's with Minnie yep. Driver and Stanley Tucci. Ooh. And it's about this Italian family that their restaurant's about to go under. Is that with the, the timpano? I don't the know. The big, the big, huge. Yes. Okay, I've heard of it, and we made it's... like a video for, for Tasty, but okay, I didn't watch it yet. Okay, good. And then there's so many classic, even just like on like films in general. I'm pretty like Water on. for Chocolate is a very central Mexican film. Ooh. There's isn't there like really awesome. Yeah, there's like a um, the younger daughter. Yes. Okay, I've seen that. She's she cooks food and she puts her emotions into it. And it's like the best food anyone's ever had. Yeah. Thank you. Love the ceviche. Yeah. Is there ginger in it? There's a little bit of ginger, yeah. Do you like ginger? Love. Okay, perfect. And then a little bit of, um, there should be a little bit of heat from, a little bit from ginger, but also from habanero and jalapeno. Yeah, it sounds, it tastes really great. And what I like about it is it's like, it's like you're just like eating salsa. Yeah. Now. What's your dream meal if I had to cook you your dream meal? Oh, um, so actually you, one of your things you requested was chipino, and that's yeah. like one of my favorite dishes of all time. It's so fucking good. It's so good. I just, I've made it many times. Right. And I've, I've like done it for Tasty, so like I don't want to like do no, it again no. for this, but that's probably one of my favorite dishes. Um, I also just love like really good like homemade pasta, mm. like, like 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 short roux ragu. You mean like the pasta's homemade? Pasta's homemade, right. sauce is homemade, and like mm. so like, I have like a really like long braid like so short rib ragu is like one of my favorites. Do you know how to make pasta? Oh yeah. Oh my I god. I do that. Like I I um yeah, it's easy. I, is it easy? Yeah, and it depends. I guess like, I've just it done so many times. Hard. 
There's like tricks to make it easier. Like you can do it on the table. You can do it in a, in a um, food Machine. processor. Yes. And um, what do you do yours? Then? Um, if I have a big table, I do it the well method on the table. If I have to <coughs> rush or I want to not be any mistakes, I do it in a, um, a food processor. Cool. But then yeah, just like you know, making simple shapes is yeah, it's, it's fun for me because like, I grew up doing that. My family's like part Italian. My How grandma, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and honestly, my answer to that also is just like anything new because I've had so many food that I've had millions of times. So when someone like surprises me with something fresh that I've never tasted before, I'm like, this is my shit. So we are kind of ending the, we're kind of going towards the end of the interview. Wow, so um, sad. I know, but guess what? There's still one more surprise for you. Colin, will you go grab our dessert for us, please? Ooh, how lucky. Wow, I feel so honored. Listen, that is, this is my time to not only interview you and get to know you more and have them get to know you more. It's also just like put all the love in your way, you know? It's so um, good. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's the nice thing about cooking. You really are showing love. Exactly, because it takes not only time and energy, it the takes care. care. Yeah. Wow, yum. So I heard you're a fan of lemon bars. Ooh, this is my shit. <laughs> now we have dessert, which is kind of new for season two. In season one, we didn't really do too many desserts. because I'm not. me. Yes, I'm not that big of a dessert person. I don't always make it, but like, this, people were like always asking for it and people were wanting it for dinner interview. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna really treat people. So now we're kind of heading towards the end of the interview. So sad. Which we're gonna have to kill Rose. Bye. <laughs> Mom, you've Wait. been amazing. Molly, love you. I thought we were having sex after dinner. I thought you were gonna kill me before and then fuck my dead body. Oh. That's what I signed up for. <laughs> but maybe I got it wrong. Who knows? That's As, another, that's next week. That's next week, guys. Sorry. In the meantime, we'll just have lemon bars. Yeah, I guess so. So here, why don't you have, pick your favorite. Um, This one looks absolutely stunning. Perfect, I'll go for this one. Um, Matthew, I just yeah. feel like a little queen on a throne. Yes, that's my goal. Is This is your hour, Rose. It's all about making you feel like a queen. I feel wonderful. So Everyone, now. you should be so lucky to know Matthew Francis Johnson. Well, thank you for saying that for me, and hopefully they're enjoying it so far. But also, you guys, if you haven't already heard of Rose, which you should have, you need to follow her on all the things. I've already tagged her in many of the things, and I've already like put her handle and put her things all over the interview. But if you haven't gone to her pages, please subscribe, follow, all those things. But, so one thing I really want to go to while we're eating our um, dessert here, yeah. is this is the, din the Dinner Views guest book, right? Everyone asks a question to the next guest. So... Oh, like for the next guest to answer. Yes. Oh, good one. So Daisha, who was our guest last time, she asks for you, if you were dropping a debut music album, what would the title be? Mm. Fabulous, fabulous, chic, fabulous, go. <laughs> yes, very much your aesthetic, very much just like out there and open, love it. Yeah, subtle, mellow, not a big deal, introverted. What, what type of music? Um, I think it would be dance music, like for exercising or for Ooh. cooking or like right before a date when you're putting on your makeup or your cologne or your shaving. And like, like peppy pump up. Like fabulous, 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 go. Like that. Yes, I see that. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Britney's work bitch. Yes. It would be that aesthetic. Yeah. It'd be like, okay, going on the state, this guy's hot, he's slamming. Ah, fabulous, chic, yeah. fabulous, go. Amazing. I think we got it. Yeah. Um, should we cheers so, our lemon bars? Yes, and then I want you to taste and tell me what you think. Cheers. Mmm. Delicious. Yeah. I really want to learn how to make these. Again, recipe will be in the thing. This is actually my mom's recipe. It's really tasty. We had them all growing up as kids. But what I like about it is like, you have like a nice thick crunchy bottom, mm -hmm. and then like the tartness and lemon kind of comes in after. You like a nice crunchy bottom? Thick, crunchy bottom? Yeah, let's take it, why not? I mean, I mean, why not? <laughs> Life is to be enjoyed. And my final question for you, Rose, 
After I chew. After I chew. If a younger, let's say, like seven-year-old Rose was sitting here, what would she think of all the food she had tonight? Ooh. Yes. And then what would you tell her, like, as she's growing up as some, for some advice? That's really good. Thank you. One thing my mom did awesome, did very, very well, is that whatever she was eating, I was eating. If my mom was eating squid, uh, pasta, I was eating it. If she was eating grilled octopus, I was eating it. So I was exposed exposed at a very young age to all kinds of foods. My mom also has an expansive palate. She's very mm. cultured, so I was lucky in that way. I have babysat kids where it's like, just give them pasta with butter and then like a frozen chicken nugget and then like maybe like a, you know. And so many people dumb down their kids' food. Yeah. And a lot of people, frankly, also dumb down their own palates, so. Yeah. And then that will prevent their kid from being able to experience more things as they're growing up and they become kind of like, too um, opinionated and too picky, and that I think leads to other problems. Well, I also say that like there's such a thing as like straight guy diet, which is just like burritos and chicken fingers, and that's like so immature and like just mature your palate. So I think I was lucky because ever since I was little, I loved salad, I loved vegetables, I loved sushi with cucumbers and avocado. Yeah. Because that's what I had. So I would have loved this whole meal as a kid. This would have just hit the spot. Nice. What was the second question? Um, and then your younger Rose, what would you give advice to her about? Like what is like the inspiration that young Rose needs to hear? Um, I would say, you know what? It doesn't, I know this is not the game. That's right. But there's nothing I could tell young Rose that she would have to figure it out on her own. That's deep. There's nothing you no can tell. That, but yeah. But there's nothing you can tell someone. Whatever I've learned, I had to learn it. Yeah. I would just say I love you. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. Sometimes it's all you need, right? Is the support and love. Yeah. I've done a lot of meditations, like healing childhood wound shit, where you like envision yourself as a kid and tell yourself that you love yourself. And it's really powerful and sweet. Wow. Well, guys, you know what? Take a moment. Tell your younger self that you love them. You should do that all the time, every day. Yeah. And other people. Yeah. Because it really does make a difference. When you, like, it, taking a little bit of time to show affection for people, it really can change the day. And most of all, the most important person you need to show affection for is yourself forever yeah. and ever. There is no more important relationship. Yeah. Well, that was the interview, you guys. Rose has been incredible. Um, she has podcasts, videos out. I'm going to put links in all the things below. She's incredible. If you're just now meeting her from this interview, I hope you go on a huge binge of all of her content. Thank you so much, Matthew. This has been so lovely. And I have to say, like, um, not that I feel like your big sister, but like, you know, I'll I'm older it. and whatever. And like, it's just really exciting to see you grow. And, you know, you were so, you're so young and you're doing so much. And I believe in you a thousand percent and you're making your dreams happen. So I'm really proud of you. Yay, give me a hug. Oh. Aw, thank yeah. you so much. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Woo. The interview is created by a small and mighty team. Food support by Cullen Folks and Sarah Johnson, co-editing by Michelle Martin, and the series is directed, produced, co-edited, and has original recipes cooked by me, Matthew Francis. You can follow me on all the social media apps with the handle Matthew Francis J. Okay, that's it. Peace out.